I often like to remind our church of this, that, you know, where, where God is at work, our praises need to go first. And, you know, one of the reasons we really elevate this place with, with praises to our great God, to our creator is, you know, anytime God is ready to go to battle throughout the scriptures, you often see praise going uh, before God goes. And, uh, and so I like to remind our church, praise must go first. We're singing songs about a great God. We're singing songs about how we engage with our great God. But I need you to know, any time that God moves throughout the scriptures, you look back into the Old Testament, praise always goes first before the great victory. That's why praise goes first, because we are by faith believing in a great, great victory. So I need you to elevate yourself today and let your praises rise up in this place, because God is getting ready to do something great. You know... As a church, as a people, as a group, as a congregation, as a family, we are moving. We are literally uh, moving uh, on a journey. And God has, has many things for us to accomplish on that journey. Uh, people come into the journey with us. People leave the journey with us. But God has a purpose and a plan for his church here on earth. And God has a purpose and a plan uh, for every single congregation, every single, every single group of people. And I want you to know that God has some great things in store uh, for us. We are uh, at some crossroads as, as a church. We've got some big, huge decisions. Actually, probably the biggest decisions that we've had to make all the way along our journey. And uh, we're preparing uh, to, to teach and uh, kind of talk about that here in the near future. So you may hear a lot of chatter about what's going on and just receive the chatter and then just keep in mind that some of the chatter is true, some of the chatter is untrue, and, you know, there's going to be some great things uh, to come in store because God's got a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got a plan. And so I'm really excited about the future of Barefoot Church. I'm really excited about what God is going to do. Uh, God has had us on an amazing journey for the for the past 13, 14 years, and it has been a phenomenal. If you have your Bibles with you today, I invite you to open it up to that very first chapter, uh, the very beginning of your Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, Genesis 1, uh, verse 1, and this is what the Scripture says. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. If you have your Bibles or you have your app, to your Bible opened up. Uh, I would invite you to circle or highlight that word empty. I think it's a really, really important word. I think it's a significant word. I think it's a word that God works with. And I think it's not by happenstances in the, in the very beginning of our Bible. The Bible says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And so that means that the Spirit of God was in the darkness. It means the Spirit of God was at work when things were formless and when things were empty. And what I want to do today is I want to take off of that verse because many of us feel like our life is formless. It 
doesn't have shape, it doesn't have structure, it doesn't have direction. And many of us feel like our life is, is kind of empty. Maybe we've lost something along our journey. Maybe we've lost a relationship. Maybe we've lost some money. Maybe we've lost, you know what, a, a loved one, a child, or a spouse, or a parent, or somebody we were dearly in love with, and, and we feel like life is sort of empty. Well, you know, I just want to declare to you today, when, when life is dark and life is empty, that we serve a specialist, yeah, yeah. that our creator specializes in formless, empty, and dark situations to bring light, life, and fullness. However, sometimes, sometimes, you know, that emptiness, that void, that formlessness feels like there is no way. There is no way out. And, and can I tell you then, depression sets in. Basically, lots of times, oppression sets in. People sit down, they quit having hope, they quit elevating their hope because what they may have once had is gone and they don't know maybe what is ahead. And I declare to you today, if you elevate your hope, that's one of the things we strive for at Barefoot Church is to elevate people's hope. If you elevate your hope beyond any earthly circumstance and you connect with spiritual things, that you know what, it will begin to get you, get you through the current situations, the things you see here on earth, because your faith is in things that are not seen. Amen. Come on. Amen. And your hope is literally in eternal things and literally out of this world. And now your hope is elevated above your circumstance and your faith can grow and, and you can begin to experience the love of your creator no matter what the situation. Amen. And so I, I want to invite you to open your spiritual eyes today. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came because the Bible says there in Genesis that God created us in his image. He created us in his likeness. And he wanted us to connect with him, be in relationship with him, and permeate his presence throughout, throughout the earth. However, you know, uh, man was separated from God because man, the Bible says, sin missed the mark of God's glorious standard. We were separated, and that separation from what God created us for and what God created us to do permeate his presence throughout the earth. That separation sometimes causes void. It causes us to feel formless. It causes us to feel, feel dark because we begin to latch on to purposes in this earth sometime that, that basically are purposeful things, but they're not our significant purpose. And lots of times we latch on to what we see instead of what God has said and what God has created, and we don't open our spiritual eyes, then we miss so much about what life is all about. And the reason Jesus came wasn't just to forgive you of your mess, you're your being separated from God, missing God's glorious standard. The reason Jesus came is to reconnect you. Reconnect you and, and open the eyes of, of your heart. Open the eyes of, of spirituality. Open your eyes to, to a realm that, that you don't see physically, but, but you see in, in the spiritual. Yes, 
And if you're not viewing things through the spiritual lens, I need you to know that's why God has you here today. Amen. It's not just to improve your, your personal wellness, though that's part of it. It's incredible because personal wellness does improve when your spiritual eyes are open. And, and, and so, so many people come to church and, and they want the problem, the darkness, the voids fixed. But God's saying, you know, I don't mind fixing the darkness and the voids and all of those things. However, what's more important to me is for your eyes, your spiritual eyes to be open to reality. And you not be under deception anymore. And, and, and again, uh, you not be under the rule and the reign of the, of the great deceiver, the liar to your soul. He says, I want you to come in relationship with me and I'll show you what life is all about. I will give you a significant purpose. If you'll come to me and you'll let me pour something into you, I'll begin to pour something out of you and I'll begin to change your community, your family, your situation, your circumstances. I'll begin, I'll begin to change everything. That's why Jesus came, man. He didn't come just to take you to heaven one day. He came to open the eyes of your heart. He came to make a way. He's the way maker. Look at your neighbor and say, open your eyes. Open your eyes. And I'm talking about the eyes of your heart. He's the way maker. You know, what's interesting is if you study the scriptures, the Bible says in, I think it's Romans 15 and we're on verse 4, it says all the things in the Old Testament were, were basically things to teach us in the revelation of who Jesus is and who we are in the process of being in, in a relationship with Jesus. It says there in Romans 15 verse 4 that basically the, the journey of the Israelite people is there to teach us today. Amen. In other words, God was basically drawing a snapshot back then of what would be in the future and our eyes could be opened by this Jesus, by this Messiah, by this liberator. And then we could begin to live it out. And so anytime you read your Bible, Old or New Testament, and you look back into the Old, I invite you to ask God how that connects to the new way, the way that Jesus has provided, and then begin to apply it to your life. Old Testament scriptures are amazing because Old Testament scriptures are like the outline. And Jesus is like the colors. In other words, if you ever had a coloring book that was that was, had a blank, blank canvas and and the the outline of the image was there. But until you started coloring in the spots, you couldn't really see the image vividly. And this is what Jesus is all about, man. And this is what God is all about. He he, he drew the outline in the Old Testament. And, and, and Jesus came to color the picture. Yes, Lord. Oh, that's so good. Yes, you know, and Jesus came to be the coloring, came to fill the spot, came to fill the void. He came to illuminate what God was outlining in the old so that we could grab hold to it, see the whole picture, and live in the new. It's a beautiful thing. And so many times what God would do is... He would speak into what the Bible refers to in the Old Testament as, as prophets. 
These are guys who could, could literally draw the picture as God said it 100%, 100% clear. Some people didn't want to receive it. And some people tried to kill these prophets. Actually, they did kill them. They, they did away with them. Great leaders. Because leaders wanted to do life their way. And they didn't understand life God's way. And when certain prophets would step into the situations, some of them would bring encouragement and then some of them would bring conviction. And many times those who brought conviction to kings, to great leaders, the king would say, kill him. Because yeah, I don't want to hear what he's got to say. I don't want to hear what, what that person of God has to say. Just do away with him. I'm going to tell you, every time that happened, Every time that happened, it always circled back around. And God says, you didn't listen through the appointed person that I sent to talk to you. So maybe you'll listen to to my judgmental hand as it comes on you. And oftentimes we see plagues. We see generational curses. We see all kinds of things come on leaders and kings and people because they failed to listen to the word of the Lord. The good word of the Lord, the encouraging word of the Lord, the, the word of the Lord that was calling them out of their darkness into his wonderful light, calling them out of a formless life into a life that was full of, of, of purpose. One of these great prophets that we know of in the scripture, his name is Elijah. Elijah, there's Elijah and Elijah. And Elijah is basically... He's the, he, was, he was mentored, he's the mentee of Elijah. And Elijah comes on the scene during a time when there were wicked kings, wicked leaders. And he's speaking life into situations and circumstances. People begin to recognize he's a man of God, he's a leader of God. And if we really pay close attention to what the scripture says in Romans 15 verse 4, how the Old Testament reveals the New Testament. What we see out of Elijah's life is, is he's kind of like the outline of the Jesus that has now come. This is before Jesus, and so he's a type. He's a typology, or he's an outline of the Messiah that would come. And if you go back now and you look at the New Testament as the things that Jesus did and you go back and you lay them over the things that Elijah, this prophet, did, you'll see that much of what Jesus did matches or lays over what Elijah did. And the reason that this happened was God was revealing in the physical the spiritual being that would come. And he, the one who brought life to people physically, Elijah, he was showing that this Messiah would bring people or bring life spiritually. Come on. And so Jesus is a fulfillment of what God painted or the outline that God drew through this prophet Elijah as he was speaking in to to the nation of Israel. It's amazing. And so I encourage you as we read through the passage we're going to look at today, 2 Kings chapter 4, I encourage you to see not only the story of a lady and Elijah doing a miracle in this lady's life. I I encourage you to open your spiritual eyes and see the miracle that Jesus did on top of the physical miracle that Elijah did and begin to understand that what Elijah did in a 
empty lady's life physically can apply to your life spiritually today. And you can walk out of here forever changed. It's important to read the scripture and put things in context to how they happen because that's what changes your life. It's the word of God. It's sharper than a double-edged sword is what the Bible says. But if you take the word of God and you stab it the wrong way, it kills and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help. And the word of God is a tool to elevate you, to help you become everything that God has created you to be. And so sometimes, you know, whenever we read the word of God, we read it out of context. And that's like taking a conversation that you have someone and put it out of context. And this is why we at Barefoot Church strive to put it in context because we want it to apply to your life and you to understand how it applies to your life. And so why I gave all that dissertation on the front end of this message today is because it's easy to walk in here and say, you know, God's going to fill my life with this. God's going to fill my life with that. And God will fill your life in the physical, but more importantly, more importantly, he wants to fill your life spiritually and connect you to eternal things. And then, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, according to Matthew chapter six, all of these other things you tend to focus on will be added to you as well, is what the scripture says. And so today, we're gonna see this amazing story where Elijah speaks into a woman's life and this woman had a dark moment. She had a crisis situation. She was was in a formless and empty circumstance. And this is the passage, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. It says, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets, in other words, the prophets again were people who spoke on behalf of God. This was basically a group that had gathered in a wicked time and this woman's, this woman's husband belonged to that group. This woman who was a widow, she came to Elijah and she cried out, my husband who served you, you being the leader, Elijah, is dead and you know how he feared the Lord, how he respected God. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves, a this was customary in this day and culture. You could serve off your debt. How, how awesome would that be? You could serve off your debt. You didn't have to pay it off, but you could serve it off. However, you know, that wasn't going to work out. And it says this. It says that Elijah, Elijah says this. She was in a desolate situation. They were coming to take her two boys. She was going to be left alone. She couldn't produce a livelihood for herself. And man, it was getting bad. It was getting difficult. She had lost her husband who loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is what what Elijah says. What can I do to help? You know, that, that should be the story of the church to the community. What can I do to help? Yes, Lord. What can I do to help? And, and it goes on to say this. 
Elijah asked, tell me, what do you have in the house? That should be the second question out of the church's mouth. What can I do to help? And when the person says, I need help with this, I need help with that, the second question out of the church's mouth should say, well, what do you have? What do you have? And most people respond the way this lady's fine. Look what she says. This is what she says. She says, nothing at all. Nothing at all. I'm broke as a goat. It's tough. We once had it, but now we don't. And, and, And I need to declare to you today, when you come to God with the nothing you have, He is a way maker. He will create light and darkness. He will create form in the formless. He will take an empty situation and fill it up with something great. But maybe you got to get to the place where you say, I need some help. And maybe God's going to send a messenger to ask you a ridiculous question. Well, what do you have? And then maybe you need to get to the response that this lady had. I have nothing. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. See, God's a specialist. And you need to understand, he takes formless situation. He takes dark situation. He takes buried things and speaks life into them. Your literal body came out of the dirt of the ground is what the scripture says. How awesome is that? That God can speak to the dirt. My name is personally Clay. Come on, somebody. And my mama thought she was giving me a cool name. And all my friends, when I was growing up, they called me Dirtbag, Clayface, Mud, Slime, you, you name it. You know how your friends do. They, they got a nickname for you, and it ain't always good. My friends had nicknames for my mama and everything else. And they were joking around. And it's interesting to me, because I've often thought of that. And again, I don't, I don't think that God gave you your name accidentally either. And no matter what anybody has said about you or what they have called you, maybe you need to come to God and let him speak. Speak into who you are and rise you up and elevate you spiritually. Instead of you taking on just the physical dimension, you begin to take on the spiritual dimension. Oh, that's a whole sermon within itself. But I got to finish the passage and I'm teaching on 2 Kings chapter 4 today. The Bible says this, the woman said nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Anytime you see oil in the scripture, oftentimes it is associated with the spirit of God. It's associated with the spirit of God. It's a type, it's an illustration, it's physical to, to illustrate something spiritual. For, for instance... Whenever we see in James, the Bible tells us this. The Bible says, hey, take a little oil and put it on the sick. 
okay, and healing would come to them. Well, I want you to know that oil, it'll run a car good, but the oil won't do anything for you. But if the faith that the healing is in the spirit of God and not the oil itself, it can do everything. See, see, it's a representation. Just like the communion cup we take. The communion itself, the physical, can't do anything. But spiritually, it can do everything. So don't just take the physical things. You coming in here to worship with other people, that's physical. But do you see the spiritual? Do you really see what's going on in here? Do you see the spiritual darkness? Do you see the spiritual light? Do you see the battle in people's life, in the souls, for their attention, for the, for the deficits that they're feeling, for the pain that they're feeling? Do you see it? See, 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 that's what spiritual eyes do. Not just looking at what's physically going on in the room. They're paying attention spiritually. There's a, there's a spiritual there's a spiritual battle, and it's real, and it's authentic. And actually, I, I, you know, again, I, I, I need to be on this. I'll teach that later, okay? So, it has to do with music, Eddie. It's pretty awesome. The, the music is spiritual. It's very spiritual. I'm not going to teach that today, though. Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from from your friends and neighbors. Then go into the house with your sons. You need to shut the door behind you. Go into the upper room, disciples, and shut the door. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Wait on the Holy Spirit of God, disciples, as you shut the door behind you because you know what you need to wait here in Jerusalem before you go to Samaria Judea and the ends of the earth because you need to wait for me to fill you with something and you try to do it by yourself and let me do it goes on to say and Elijah said, bar as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into the house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask in the jars, setting each one aside as it is filled. So she did as she was told, asked, instructed. The Bible goes on to say, her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. And soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to One of her sons, they aren't anymore, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. As long as there's vessels to be poured into, the Spirit flows. And the Spirit works. And the last time I checked, there's a lot of vessels in our society, in our culture, the earthly vessels that we live in, that are empty, that we need to bring underneath the filling of God's spirit. The Bible goes on to say this, there aren't any more. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live. 
on what is left over. Let's take a few minutes and let's talk about the way maker, the significance of this story and how it applies to us this very day. Number one is this, is incredible life change starts with coming to God. I've already kind of been talking about that a little bit, but I need you to understand this is why Jesus came, so we could come to God. Amen. He's the door. He's the way. However you want to frame it, Jesus framed it a lot of different ways. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I'm the door. He says, my sheep, my, my, my followers, my people hear my voice. He says, there's other voices that are going to basically try to trap you and rob you, but, but he says, those who belong to me, they, they hear my voice and, and, and they come in. And so what I'm, I'm declaring to you today is, you know, I know you're in church and everything else, but what is interesting is you and I and anybody else we meet, the first thing for God to really feel them so that they are purposeful and they make a significant difference is you've got to invite them to come to God. This is why we tell you to go invite your friends and your neighbors, not just so they can, you know, get some coffee and a hot dog and have some fellowship and get all hyped up on the weekend. They have to come into, into an environment, and they can do it in their car, but, but they have to come to God. And most of the time, people are filled with the wrong things, and that eventually leads them to a place to come to God. The enemy fills our minds and our hearts with all kinds of things. This is what success is. This is what it looks like. Here's how you run after it. And until you get to a place that you realize that none of that can really, really help you grow and become everything that God has created you to be, you know, then, then God has to, get, you know, has to do something amazing. And so the lady, she's in a crisis situation. Maybe you are today too. But if that is you today, I just want you to understand Maybe the reason the crisis has happened is not because God doesn't love you. Maybe it's happened because God loves you way too much to leave you formless and empty and without purpose. He's a specialist. And no matter what has separated a human from an all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at one time God, God can step into a dark moment a crisis situation, a moment in time in your life, and he can show up and do something amazing. The question is, will you partner and respond and come to God? He is an amazing God. He is the creator of the universe. He is an eternal God. He will not be defeated. He will not be lorded over. He is the creator. There is no death. There is no demon. There is no angel. There is no good power. There is no bad power that can rule over him. He will create situations and circumstances. So no one perishes. But people turn their hearts towards him. And know that he is the way. See, see. Religious practices sometimes make us feel like we're making the way. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm creating. I got good church attendance. I've been baptized five times. 
I take communion every single time it's offered. I go to the Bible study. I am incredible. And all that's amazing, and you should partner with God. But coming to God is realizing that, no, he's alive and well. And there is a spiritual realm, and there is a realm of physical and spiritual. And until you come to him in the spiritual realm, it doesn't really matter what you're doing in the physical realm. It was a problem with the nation of Israel. Many of them were coming to him in the physical, but they lost sight of the spiritual. And God had to shake their world and shake their land and scatter them to remind them of what his purpose is for their life. Hey, Israel, any way you want to phrase it, I want to feel you. I want to bless you. I want to pour myself into you, Israel. Into you, church. Into you. I want to pour myself into you. But, but see, Israel forgot why God poured it into them. And it was so that he could pour it out of them. To the other nations of the world, to all people, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And I got to declare to you, the moment you stop the river, the moment you stop the, the flowing of God's amazing spirit and love, and, it, and it's not outward and it's not touching people anymore, is the moment it is cut off. And see, this is why evangelism, however you want to phrase it, you inviting your friends, it's your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. The whole reason that God poured into your life was so you could go talk to people who know who you are. And then they could go talk to people who you don't know so that they could tell them about the goodness of the Lord. I have responsibility. You have responsibility. We all have a responsibility. Look at your neighbor and slap them and tell them, are you doing your responsibility? Come to God. Invite them to come to God. Man, people walk up in here and say, hey, my life, I, I got a problem. And I'm like Elijah, what can I help you with? Nine times out of sin, well, well, preacher. She burnt my toast again. It's something trivial. And I'm like, well, what do you have? I have nothing. When's the last time you told her how awesome she looks? When's the last time you loved her like Christ loves the church? When's the last time, you know what, you built her up instead of tore her down? When's the last time you partnered with her and poured something positive into her instead of something negative? You got a problem. Take what you do have and begin to pour it out and watch what God can do. That hurt the male population in here. So let me convict the female population. Well, all he does is lay on the couch and flip the TV switcher. 
and do all of these things I don't like. Well, when's the last time you showed him some respect? And honored him like the church honors Christ or supposed to honor Christ. When's the last time, you know what, you begin to really show love and hospitality and come alongside and come under his submission and say, yeah, we can do this together and watch what God, whoa, 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 pastor, you just said submit. And again, I didn't say submit to cruelty. I didn't say submit to somebody who has beaten the snot out of you. I didn't say submit to something that has taken you away from God. I said submit to the authority and the structure that God has put in your life spiritually and watch what God can do. Some of us have a submission problem. And again, that don't only apply to women in marriage. That applies to all structure and all leadership across the board. And you're like, no, 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 no. What, what if? What if we respected those in authority? Come on, student. What if we didn't beat our teacher down? But, but we lifted our teacher up and we began to say, that teacher is pouring something incredible in me. And I believe. See, this is what it means to come to God. It's to understand who God is and what he has done for humanity. That's called submission. And then begin to let God pour into you his blessing. When you and I choose to submit to God's authority, surrender to his authority, and begin to let him pour in, then God overflows out of our life. But many times, you know what? We're not going to come to God that way, are we? We're going to come to God in a crisis situation, and then God still blesses us because he's faithful even when we're unfaithful is what the Scripture says. And God's going to bless us. He's going to pour it out, and he is going to multiply it. The first step to this lady's success in her dark, formless moment was she came to God. I didn't say today, have you prayed a prayer? I ask you, have you come to God through Christ Jesus? Camp out on that thought a moment as you listen to the next two things of this lady's success. Not only did she come to God, she basically, she she used what she had. A lot of times God causes us to use what we have and start where we are. Look what it says, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses four, 2 through 4. It says, what can I help you with, Elijah? asked. Tell me, what do you have? She said, nothing except the flask of oil. And Elijah says, here, we'll go borrow some jars and start pouring that oil in it and see what can happen. I wonder what would happen in our life if we took our vessel no matter what color, what shape, what size, we all have an earthly vessel that we live in. And you know what? We just brought that empty vessel to God. 
and started with what we had. Think about this church. You know what this church started with? Started with a few people that believed that God wanted to do something amazing. And what we had in that particular day and time was a living room in the middle of a neighborhood over in Barefoot Landing. That's why the church right now is called Barefoot Church. It's where it all started. And there was some people who began gathering and believed that God wanted to pour out and we submitted what we had to the Lord. And we watched God multiply. And we watched him do amazing things. Twelve people in a living room. Look around, people. And the thing is, is probably 5,000 vessels have left. And that's pretty awesome. Because that's what we're supposed to do, send them out, right? Amen. Now, some people were sent out not on purpose. They were sent out by their own will. And that's okay, too. God uses that, too. But what I'm trying to say to you today is don't despise the small beginning. Because this lady had a small beginning. She had a little bit of oil and God did something supernatural through it. And I need you to understand something. It only takes you taking what you have and come to God. And keep in mind, this is a physical illustration to illustrate something to us spiritually. When you come to Jesus, it don't matter how little you are or how little little of what you have. I don't care how broke you are. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what size vessel you are. If you will literally bring what you have to the God of the universe, he will begin to pour into your life. Well, I did submit to God. I did surrender to God. Did you really? Because you come to God through Christ. Then you make a willful decision to surrender everything to him by faith. And say, I trust that his plan is better than my plan. I trust that he can make something out of nothing. I, 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 I trust that, you know what, I'm going to apply myself. I'm going to get under, I like to say it this way, under the spout where the glory comes out where the Spirit of God pours out. No matter what's in my way, I'm getting under that because I need some, some God-Spirit in my life to fill my life. And by the way, what is being filled with the Spirit of God? It's not hokey-pokey. Being filled with the Spirit of God is this. It's being obedient See, if you're not following God's plan for your life, then it's impossible for God to fill you up and take you to the next level. How many of you, well, probably not many of us because I can look around and tell. I was going to ask how many of us have a personal trainer. I don't either. <laughs> but anytime somebody is with a coach or a trainer, 
what gets them stronger and greater and to the next level is they fall underneath what the trainer says. If the trainer says do 10 push-ups, they don't go, well, I can just do one. No, I said do 10. Well, I can just do one. I said do 10. I ain't doing 10. I'm just going to do one. I said do 10. Okay? You get out and you start trying. Can I tell you what's amazing? Is even if you can only in your power, watch this, do one. If the trainer, if he's a good trainer, he's like, you can only do one, but... Here's the deal. I'm going to grab you by the back of your pants. And I'm going to lift some of the weight. And I'm going to help you do two. And then three. And then four. And then five. And then six. And together as we partner and you submit. Next week you're going to do two. And then you're going to do five. And then you're going to do 200. And then you're going to be 2,000. And, and, and again, with my help and your submission and you just follow my lead. You know what? We are going to work together and do something. Are you available? Amen. God, I just can't do it anymore. I can't make it happen anymore. I can't live with her anymore. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Let him help you through the crisis situation. Number three is this. Don't only come to God. Don't only make yourself, you know what, uh, what how did I say that? See, if y'all don't know, I sure don't know. Or if I don't know, you sure don't know. Use what you have. Start where you are. These two points are kind of alike. But I also need to make myself available. We use our living room. We made ourselves available. And the question for us all is, are we making ourselves available? I, I, I think a lot of people want fresh air in their life. Just like a lot of people want fresh air in their house. But, but you see, there's a window in your house, right? And, and if you want fresh air, guess what you got to do? Lift the window. Open the door. It don't do no good to look out the window at the fresh air. Don't do no good to talk about what's outside. It don't do no good just to submit and sit in the inside. Make yourself available. Use what you have and say, I'm going to stand in front of this window, but I'm going to work the window. I'm going to lift the window so the fresh air, so the spirit can begin to flow in. And can I tell you, it's not only using what you have, it's making yourself available and being used by God in a powerful way. I wonder what would happen. We made ourselves available in God's situations. And we just lifted the window. God, we, we need to do something. I know. I know. Be available. I know. Use what you have. Lift the window. Let the fresh air blow in. Let the spirit flow in. But don't. Make no bones about it. I'm not just flowing. I'm not just breathing spiritual life into you. Pay close attention. He says, I breathe spiritual life into you. So you can breathe spiritually and begin to see spiritually. But, but understand, I breathe spiritual life into you so that 
One more time, hit your neighbor and say, so that. I breathe spiritual life into you so that you can permeate who I am, spread who I am, breathe who I am, multiply who I am, pour out who I am in all the earth. God wants to pour into his church. God wants to pour into his communities. God wants to pour into your family. God wants to pour into your street. God wants to pour into the next nation. But if we stifle the flow by stop bringing empty vessels to him and people that he can pour into, we're missing the purpose of God and why he breathed life into humanity in the first place. The reason God breathed life into humanity is so that. Everybody in here should write that on their bathroom mirror this week. I'm getting up so that. I'm I'm working it so that. I'm available so that. I'm going to work so that. I'm being kind so that. I'm working my gifts so that. I'm tithing so that. I'm giving so that. God can permeate his presence throughout the earth. I want it to flow, flow, flow. It's called the so that. It's purpose, man. And it threads all of scripture. And God poured in so that this lady's debt could be forgiven. So they would have enough to live on, live life to the full forever and ever. And then, you know what? That, that, that they could begin to change their community. Listen to what it says, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 7. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on whatever is left over. Whatever is left over. You know, God is always more than enough. And there's always enough left over for the next person if we would just come underneath his leadership. I, I, I really think that the overarching principle of this passage is not just a physical miracle and God's going to multiply what you lack in. But, but I think the spiritual principle is until we come to God through his provision, Jesus, and begin to let him pour his spirit out on our life and in our life and continue to bring empty vessels to him that our neighbors, our friends, remember he said, go and borrow jars from your neighbors, get some empty vessels from them. Until we understand our purpose and live it out, then, you know, we're not going to see the fullness of, of what God is going to do. And so what I'm charging us with today is, is simply make yourself available. Come to God and see what God can do. It is simply amazing. But, it, but it's not just one of us, it's, it's all of us. God, God typically spoke to the nation of Israel through leaders not just on an individual level, but, but on, a, on a national level. 
And I need you to understand that the Bible says we're a kingdom of priests. We're, we're, we're a, a, a royal priesthood. We, we have one king, his name is Jesus. But it doesn't change our church, our nation, our Christianity's purpose. And purpose is submit to God. Let God speak into you. And let God flow through you into other people. Through your actions, through your attitude, through everything that you do. But, but see, here's the deal. Sometimes it takes crisis situations for us to do that. And, you know, and again, if you have a crisis situation, I want you to understand today that God is still in the, in the miracle business. This is a physical miracle to illustrate a spiritual miracle that he wants to do in somebody's heart today. But it all starts with coming to God. And the question is, are you ready to submit? Are you ready for God to pour out his purpose and plan in your life? And that takes faith. God will do his part. All we have to do is partner with him and do our part. The Bible says that's belief. Believe in your heart that Jesus resurrected from the grave. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Again, it's not just a ritual or a prayer we go through. It's a, it's a literal decision. And, and I got to ask you today, the closing, ha, have you personally made that decision? And if you haven't, can, can I tell you, God brought you here today to tap you on the shoulder and say, it's your time. It's your time. It's your time. Can you bow your heads, please? God, you're an amazing God. God, there's some of us in some situations, some dark situations, some cloudy situations, some difficult situations. God, there's some physical things that have many of our attention. God, I pray you would elevate. Elevate people's hope today in eternal things. Open their spiritual eyes. Jesus came so the blind can see, so the broken can be bound up so, so the wounded can be healed. And Jesus, there's somebody here wounded today spiritually and they're separated because of some physical things that have happened in life. God, God, I pray today would be their ultimate healing. That God, you would step in and God, they would submit, they would offer themselves up to you and realize that their whole purpose of being here, whether they're 46 God, whether they're 14 or whether they're 84, the whole purpose is to be a vessel. A vessel that pours out your eternal purpose and plan in the hearts of other people. So God, if that person is here today and they haven't submitted to the way, the truth, and the life, his name is Jesus. I pray today they would recognize he's the Messiah. He's the liberator. He's the one that will liberate them from that bondage. He's the one that will open their eyes. He's the one that will pour out the spirit on them and give them a gift to run after his amazing purpose. My friend, if that is you today, say, God, I'm tired of living life my way. Today I submit. I surrender. I believe. Tell God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. The one who gave his life on a cross to show, show us God's amazing love. God's heart for us. Tell God thank you for him being perfect in every way. And 
tell God today you believe that he resurrected by the power of God on high and you want that same power to resonate in you today tell God thank you for his spirit tell God thank you for his oil tell God thank you for his flow in your life my friend it's not something you can see with your physical eyes something that your heart is open to until God thank you for opening your heart to this new way of life today and we pray this prayer together in Jesus name amen give God a hand clap of praise in this place today